Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Right now, you need to be paying attention because China, Russia, Iran, now South America, they're all converging. Saudi Arabia is getting caught up in the mix. They're like, uh, they're all together. They're all together. Uh, and, and specifically, the first three that I mentioned are like, are actively like surrounding Israel, so to speak. They're converging together because they got a common enemy. If you're like most people, then you probably get your daily dose of the news. The reporting seems to reflect only the bad things. Chaos sounds normal, according to the news. To hear of everything that seems to be happening one thing after another can cause a believer to wonder just what's going on in the world. Are we fearful when we hear the news, or are these things positive signs of what's to come? Today, Pastor James reveals the scriptures that put all of this in the proper perspective. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers, chapter 19, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Numbers chapter 19, where I'm only going to cover one because, uh, well, this one's very significant in one sense because we're seeing some of the stuff that's talked about in Numbers 19, like in our day today. So very fun stuff. But we're going to talk about red heifers and, uh, and I'm really just, just getting clean with the Lord, watch, being washed by the word of God. So I'm going to have a, a red heifer. We live in Texas, so when we see that, we think barbecue. When's, when, are we, uh, when are we cooking this guy? Um, it's a beautiful animal. Um, cows are pretty awesome. But this is, a, this is a little red heifer, so he's going to be my visual for you guys. And then I'm going to uh, give you some updates concerning Israel and things that are happening over there. Technically, Israel might be in war right now. So, um, yeah, it's fascinating. Fun times. So chapter 19 is a, uh, it's a, like I said, it's a fascinating little chapter because here you have a, um, what's instituted as the, uh, a sacrifice that is specifically for uh, purification. Okay, now there's a lot of sacrifices for purification and all of that, um, but this one is the only one that mentions the exact like color reference of an animal. None of the other sacrifices have been like, they've all been without spot and without blemish, and that is purely to speak of we give the Lord our best because he deserves our best. But for this thing, he's like, I want a red cow. I want a pure red cow. Not one of his hairs can be another kind of color. And I want this kind of, this heifer, red heifer. And so this is where we find this. It's in chapter 19 of Numbers. And then after this chapter, once we get to chapter 20, I mean, you, we fast forward like years. We fast forward to years. And Chapter 20 is a, a significant chapter in and of itself. That's why we're not going to venture into that because that's Moses' kind of downfall, right? So I don't want to cover this plus that. I'd rather just focus in on this. But look at verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Here is another legal requirement commanded by the Lord, or a statute, right? Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer, a perfect animal with no defects that has never been yoked to a plow. 
give it to Eliezer, the priest, not the high priest, but the priest, and it will be taken outside of the camp and slaughtered in his presence. So right off the bat, we're, these are new dynamics. We don't want them slaughtered at the altar. No, outside of the, the city walls, so to speak, is where this one's going to be. And it's going to be red. It's going to be a red heifer without spot or blemish, perfect red heifer. And, and, and here's the, the specifics behind that. But before you get into that, what is fascinating to note is that it's not Aaron who will be sacrificing this one. It's Eliezer. And there might be a connection to this. Uh, and I don't know. I've heard some other commentators speak about this in linking like Aaron not being able to do this one because of the golden calf situation. So, um, which I would kind of agree to that to a certain extent. Um, but this one goes towards Eliezer. Uh, he's the priest, and he's gonna, his job will be to collect the red heifer, take him outside, and to slaughter, uh, to have this animal slaughtered in his presence. Verse 4, it says, Eliezer will take some of its blood uh, on his finger and sprinkle it seven times towards the front of the tabernacle. As Eliezer watches, the heifer must be burnt. It's hide, meat, blood, dung, everything. Eliezer, the priest, must then take a stick of cedar, a hyssop branch, and some scarlet yarn to throw them into the fire where the heifer is burning. So this is all kind of symbolic of like this cleansing that's going to be taking place here. Then, verse 7, the priest must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. After he may return to the camp, though he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. So this is, and everybody who's associated with this sacrifice has to go through a purification process after hand, doing their job. So Eliezer, you know, is there to uh, make sure this cow is uh, slaughtered. And then as soon as that's done, he himself is unclean. So he has to take a bath, wash his clothes, and he's unclean until the evening. Then the next guy who picks up the ashes, you'll see this all in a second, he has to go through this purification process. Then the next guy has to go through a purification process. What's fascinating about this whole thing is that nobody is like exempt from this. Everybody's going to, from the priest to everybody who contributes in the sacrifice, um, everybody's going through a purification process. Everybody's going through it. Okay. I think there's some significance to that, especially when you see the correlation between water and the word of God and how the word of God cleanses everybody, and how everybody needs the Word of God to be cleansed, and that includes, well, that includes me as a pastor. Like, it's not enough just to be able to, like, deliver the Word. I myself have to be washed by the Word on a continual basis. Like, I'm not exempt from that, and if I don't get that feeling from you guys that, uh, you know, that priest or these guys are there's this hierarchy and that they're kind of above all that. They've already been set apart by God, so they don't really need it, right? Like us commoners. No, everybody, I don't care who you are. Everybody needs the cleansing. Everybody needs the cleansing. And so you kind of get a little lesson there with this, but Eliezer, he has to, he's got to go through this purification process. And this is, all this is doing is getting us to where we just have some ashes available to mix with water to clean people. I mean, that's, this whole process is to get it to where this cleansing through this uh, water mixed with these ashes will be available to clean people from a specific kind of instance, which is just fascinating. God cares about the details. He cares about every single aspect of your life. Even some things that you think aren't that big of a deal, he cares about them. 
He cares about all of them. So here he is. He's given his, laying this out for Eliezer. But you can, he can come back. Even though he has to go through this ceremonial cleansing thing, he can go back into the camp. Okay? So it says, verse 9, then someone who is ceremonially clean will gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them in a purified place outside of the camp. They will be kept there for the community of Israel to use in the water for purification ceremony. This ceremony is performed for the removal of sin. The man who gathers the ashes of the heifer must also wash his clothes and he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel and any foreigners who live among them. So again, this is just, it's just an amazing little picture that we get here that whether it be the, the priest or whoever has to go and collect all the ashes, when you're in ministry and when you're doing ministry type work, um, sometimes it's going to get a little messy and you got to get clean. You got to stay clean. You got to keep clean, which means you got to keep going back to the word of God. And I think that that's, Sometimes the issue with people who serve within the church, we forget that. Think like, no, I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I, I, and I've, I've expressed this to you guys many times before, but I have to guard myself from the tendency of going into study mode all the time, all the time. And I can forsake devotion mode because I'm like, well, I have to plan for sermons. I have to plan for teachings. So my Bible reading and studying isn't all that devotional. It's purely, you know, school kind of, in one sense. And that's not always pleasing to the Lord. Now, there's, I'm still in the Word, but I, I've been instructed by many pastors before me who've, who've had opportunity to speak into my life to say, like, never sacrifice the devotional. Well, you don't care how many sermons you got to put together. You open up the Word of God and spend time enjoying the Word of God simply for His Word. If you're like a Bible teacher, if you've ever had to put together a sermon, it is very difficult. Like, not come to the scriptures and think like, oh, this is a good sermon. This would make, this would teach. This would make for a good lesson, right? Like, you got to check that at the door so you can just enjoy what the word has to say to your own heart. So in ministry, we can get caught up in just, you know, just doing what we do and all this good stuff. But, you know, whether you got a priest who's sacrificing this red heifer or the guy who has to go and collect all the ashes, within doing those things, they have to, like, cleanse themselves before they can be, well, they get to go back into the camp, but they're ceremonially unclean until the evening. So it's just fascinating how the Lord kind of works all this stuff in. Um, but he's making a provision for the washing through the water for sins. Now, let me say this about red heifers, okay? Because I know a lot about them. Actually, I don't. Um, I don't know much about livestock. Uh, I wasn't in 4-H or whatever that was. So I don't even maybe know what it's called. But there was a group of students who would go off and they would raise livestock and show them at the rodeo. I was never part of that group because I didn't, I didn't grow up that way. But uh, here's what's fascinating about the red heifer. According to a Jewish sage, his calculation is this. Um, since Numbers chapter 19... In the institution of this thing, there had been nine heifers that had been offered, according to this, from Moses up until the time of the second temple is what he says. I've seen some stuff that would say even like the last one would have been maybe around 60 AD. So you have like approximately like 2,000 years, no red heifers, no red heifers being sacrificed. 
No, no ashes from the red heifers available at all until recently, until like a year ago, until like a year ago. And then uh, I read an article today that said there are now five red heifers in Israel set apart, set aside. And so they're about a year and a half to two years old. And ideally, based upon this passage and, and the, uh, you know, the customs, they need to be about three years old. And in this whole process, they're inspecting them to make sure that they are like legit red heifers. No spot, no blemish. So they think, Passover, we're going to sacrifice a red heifer. And you're like, okay, well, what's the significance of that? Look, prophetically, there's not like, God doesn't say like, okay, watch for the red heifer, right? So I've read through the Bible and searched through it. I'm like, but it is a tremendous indication of the temple because they have, and I went to um, uh, Temple Institute today. Uh, I've been to the Temple Institute, um, talked to those guys over there, went to their website today to read up on the red heifer. And uh, they're like, look, we just need the red heifer. We just need the ashes. We got everything. We even have a plot of land on the Mount of Olives where it would have to take place, the sacrifice of this red heifer. One of the rabbis already owns land on the Mount of Olives, which is uh, geographically situated exactly where it needs to be in you know, just connect, connection to the temple. So that's where the animal has to be sacrificed. They have that land. They have all the temple utensils. They have everything. They have nine priests that are already set aside to do all the temple stuff. And they said these men are um, they're of the priestly lineage, uh, and they've been kept pure for this time. And so they're ready. They're ready to go. And so what you might see happen is the sacrifice of some red heifers to get the ashes to mix with water, because at least for some people in Israel, they want to be cleansed from their sins. But they think this is going to do it. We know that this isn't going to do it. It's Jesus. We don't substitute Jesus' death for a red heifer. Our hope is in him. But for our, our dear friends over in Israel, and some of them who have these blinders on, like they're ready to go, which would mean next step is let's get a temple. Let's get a temple. Just so we understand, um, they're, prophetically, they're, the temple does not need to be built. If you're a pre-trib rapture person, uh, the temple doesn't have to be built before the rapture happens. Okay? It just doesn't. Uh, some guys think it will, and a lot of mid-trippers believe that you know, the temple is set up and then it's uh, you know, desolated and all that good stuff. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm a pre-trib guy, um, but I'm not like, that's, that's an open-handed issue as far as I'm concerned. Okay? It's, it's going to happen. The rescue is going to happen. When it happens, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that Right now, you need to be paying attention because China, Russia, Iran, now South America, they're all converging. Saudi Arabia is getting caught up in the mix. They're like, uh, they're all together. They're all together. Uh, and, and specifically, the first three that I mentioned are like, are actively like surrounding Israel, so to speak. They're converging together because they got a common enemy. And it's this chosen nation by God. What does that do? That, well, that, number one, that stirs up a, an excitement in my own heart. Because I think, home, home might be just right around the corner. There's a lot of cool stuff. What uh, Jack Hibbs had talked about was like, 
well, you should probably pay attention to Damascus because there's probably going to be something that happens in Damascus, according to the book of Isaiah. You should also pay attention, you know, to Gog and Magog and Ezekiel because that seems like that's going down. Uh, look, our world is our world is upside down right now. If you ever wonder, like, well, where's where's America in in, in days? Um, we're not there. We're not there. You want to know why? Because we can't tell the difference between a man and a woman. We have no backbone. We are not the nation we once were. I don't think we're going to return to that nation. We are no longer, I believe, uh, on the radar anymore as a world power, so to speak. I'm not saying that that's completely done away with. We started sliding down this slope years ago. And we, we don't protect our children from sick individuals. Okay, this probably get me in trouble. I don't care. We don't protect, and we don't even protect the people who have these mental issues that need to be addressed. We're so far, we're just, we're sliding down this, this slippery slope, and the other nations just, they just laugh at us. What once was a great thing has become a joke. Um, everything that you've probably learned about concerning end time stuff is, you're seeing it unfold. Um, if anybody's ever talked to you about like a one world currency, that's happening, and it's not going to be the dollar. It will not be the American dollar, because they're getting rid of that, too, by the way, which is going to crash our economy, by the way. So uh, this isn't like, like oh, no. Um, no, look, all this stuff is probably meant to go down. Um, the pieces are falling into place, and this isn't to scare anybody or anything like that. It's just like we've got to pay attention to this stuff. A one-world government kind of thing, yeah, it's going to go down. One-world religion, it's going to happen. What is that religion? I don't know. Humanism? I don't know what, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how any of this stuff is going to look beyond what the word kind of alludes to in like the book of Daniel and, and some other spots within, within the Bible. But just so you understand, like the pieces are all coming together. And I don't want to be one of those guys who's like, it's going to happen in the next few years. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But when we see that like Israel has plans of even just a small little a blip on the, you know, the news, it, it doesn't even make the news, world news, that, oh, Israel's got five red heifers. Oh, Israel's planning to sacrifice a red heifer next year. In our hearts, and if you're paying attention to like the world and you're looking like up to heaven and, and waiting on the return of Jesus, it should spark that thing inside of you like, well, we're like probably really close. We're probably like closer than what we think. And I know people have been saying that since the 60s and the 70s and beyond that too. But man, we are like really close. There's just, it's just, it's probably closer than what we realize. So what's going to be fascinating is this is going to go down and a red heifer will be sacrificed possibly on Passover, uh, maybe a little bit after that, but, um, but the ceremony will, it's going to happen. And they're ready for it. Israel's ready for it. And so what we should make sure of is that, am I ready for his return? Like, am I ready? Like, and I hope you are. I, I understand sometimes these things kind of stir up fear and anxiety within us because we're like, I have plans. Uh, yes, I understand. You, we all have plans. Um, but may I suggest to you that heaven and its plans will far supersede your plans, okay? Like, you won't be disappointed, is what I'm going to say. Like, and I understand, and, and most of the time this is with, um, anytime you have youth, like I said, youth pastor for so long, they hated, 
hated talking about end time stuff. They loved it, but they hated it because they're like, well, I want to get married. <laughs> I want to have kids. I want to have family. I'm like, I was the same way because when I got saved, that's, I didn't know anything about end time stuff. But when I got saved, people kept talking about it. I'm like, oh, hold on. I got a life I want to live. Like, no, like he can't come back. No, I, I just don't need to get married and have kids. Now I'm like, Lord, come back. Because my kids are saying, like, no, he can't. I'm like, no, yes, Lord, please come back. Like, things are good right now. Let's go, Lord. Um, it, it can be a, an anxiety-causing thing. But I would just say, just surrender that to the Lord. Surrender it to the Lord. Again, we could have months or we could have years. The point of it is this. You stay ready. And you stay excited. You read about things like this red heifer, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, so to speak, in our news feeds, red heifers are now in Jerusalem. After like 2,000 years. That's significant. That's pretty important. So keep your eyes on you know what, what, what's happening within our world. And again, I don't, I'm not like a doom and gloom guy. I'm, very, I'm a very optimistic guy. Okay? Even when it comes to our country, I'm a very optimistic guy. I hope for the best for our country. I hope things can get turned around and all that. I just, when you take a step back and you just know history and you've seen these great countries and nations in the past and what caused their demise, we have checked off every single box that those nations checked off before they crumbled. So I'm not like a doom and gloom guy. I'm just a history guy who says, whoa, everything they did and okayed, we are from our like ruling office are putting stamp of approval on. So just a heads up. Uh, it, but hey, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. It's not rare that I'm wrong. Trust me. Um, revival can break out and it can. It still can. Uh, that doesn't mean your, your government and stuff is good. You can have a revival with a corrupt government. Look at China. Okay, look at, look at the Middle East. It is blowing up with people getting saved. And they are, it's illegal for them to be saved. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in heaven, uh, new heaven, new earth, and all that. My hope is not in the American dollar or in any kind of currency that they come up with. My hope is not in, in a man or whoever is in who's been voted into offices. My hope is not in any of those people. My hope is in Jesus. Okay, so come what may, that's fine. If you're a Christ follower, you will be okay. You will be okay. All these stories are popping up just this week. You're like, wow, okay, all right. So, uh, Lord, if I've fallen asleep, man, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for waking me up. So this, now we go back into Numbers chapter 19 with this, the red heifer. Um, now you transition into like uh, this purification process, okay? So we know it's, it's meant for, you know, anybody who, who needs to be purified, so to speak. Um, but now we're going to look at a specific instance in verse 11. All those who touch a dead human body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. All right. So when you come into contact with death, physical contact, you are unclean. So for the nation of Israel, death would bring to mind sin. So I need to be cleansed because we know that the result of sin is death. I'm 
I'm so grateful that I have the ability to tune into life-changing truth from the messages of Pastor James Grizzle right here on Bread for the Broken. It's like water to my soul. I'm in an unusually busy season of my life where if I'm not careful, I'll just shrivel up. At least that's what it feels like. Have you ever been there? Maybe it's God's way of telling me that I need Him. Not activities, Him. Not entertainment, Him. You get the idea. I'm not saying that these things are necessarily bad, but how long will I make God wait? He is patient for sure, but He also has a purpose for my life. If I decide to do things that aren't in line with Him, you can bet that He's going to check me on it. He'll keep me in the desert as long as need be, like He did with the Israelites after they escaped from Egypt. But I can take comfort in the fact that I'm in this space because something needs to happen within me, so I can be more like Him. If this message has resonated with you at all, would you consider donating to this ministry? You can find information on our website, breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, take a look around. Again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We think it's important to magnify the name of Jesus at all ages. So why don't you come out and meet Pastor James Grizzle and everyone else here? Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary, Galveston, located in Galveston, Texas. It's our prayer that you're finding hope and new life in Jesus through the teaching of Scripture. Make plans to join us again, right here on Bread for the Broken.